I bring you greetings from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every crooked path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, we looked at what was needed in preparing the hearts of men to receive the word of God. Preparations that are needed for someone to be a disciple. And we noted effectively that the problem with discipleship, the key issue there is the state of the heart. And when we talk about the state of the heart, we looked at the soils, the parable of the soils, which is commonly known as the, the parable of the sower. And we said that there are four kinds of soils or four kinds of hearts that we have. And I mentioned that the heart is not this portion that pumps blood in a man, but rather is the inner man, the spirit man. That is the heart. And we identified four types. We spoke of the hard heart, the stony heart, the thorny heart, and the good and honest heart. Now, every one of us come with the bad ones. That's the first three we mentioned. The hard, stony, and thorny. We have to be made good for us to have the good and honest heart. And that is what God does in our lives. But when we looked at the uh, first three uh, hearts, we noted that it has to do with our ability to hear, receive, and retain the word of God and thereby become fruitful. Now, we may receive it, but not retain it. And how do we know if we are not retaining it? When we are unable to do what we should be doing at the time we ought to do it. It means that we have not really retained it. Then we may receive it and retain it, but are unfruitful because of the thorns, because of the concerns, because of other desires that we have there. And so the word of God is attacked and choked out. And so nothing really happens. And so we spoke about how best to bring these bad hearts and make them to become good so that they can truly be discipled. We spoke about breaking the hard heart. If we are not broken, we will not be able to receive and assimilate the word of God. So the breaking is important. It's like the pavement we mentioned the last time. You have to break the pavement so that you can expose the soil and then whatever you want to plant will be able to enter into the soil. For the stony heart, we said that the rocks underneath need to be plowed and removed. And these rocks come in various forms. They are traditions, culture, education, academics. The things we have learned and accumulated over time within our hearts, those things tend to disturb the word of God and do not allow the word of God to really penetrate deep down and grow. So such a person, we say, has a shallow heart. Then for the thorny heart, the important thing is that the thorns need to be burnt up. And the thorns, we said, is the works of the flesh. The flesh and its passions. The flesh and the things that it has built over time. Its passions, its affections, its desires. Those things must be crucified. They must be cut off. Otherwise, nothing is going to happen. Now, when all these things have happened, we now have a good heart, a heart that is willing to receive the word of God. Indeed, for someone to be a disciple, he must have the good heart. He must have a heart that is hearing, receiving, retaining, and is able to bring forth fruit. In fact, the Bible makes us understand that as with plants, where the soil has the ability to bring the plant to fruition, the heart of man has within it the good heart that is inbuilt the ability 
to grow the word of God and allow the word of God to become fruitful in their hearts. In this broadcast, what we want to do is to look at the necessity for laying a proper foundation. The necessity for laying a proper foundation. You see, without a proper foundation, there is no building that can stand. No matter how much you try, that building will not be able to stand. And if a building cannot stand, then whatever it is that you are, you are doing is a waste. In Matthew chapter 7, the Lord Jesus Christ made a very profound statement. Matthew chapter 7, from verse 24 to verse 27, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The Lord Jesus himself is saying to us that if we do not have the proper foundation, when the challenges of life, here described as the winds, the storm, the rain, and all those other things come, that life will crash. So it is important that we recognize that the foundation of our lives must be firmly built. And how do we know one who has a firm foundation built for his life? Is that person who is able to hear the word of God and do it. We are speaking here of not just receiving the word of God or retaining the word of God, but we are talking here about applying the word of God, doing it on a daily basis. And this is basically what we want to discuss today. The necessity for laying a proper foundation. In Hebrews chapter 5, I'm going to read from verse 6 for completeness. But where we want to really discuss will be from verse 11 to 14. But I read from verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 5. As he also says in our place, talking here about God addressing the Lord Jesus Christ, as he, that is the Father, also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, speaking about Jesus here, with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was the son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, verse 11, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. He's speaking here about the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's saying that his priesthood is not after the priesthood of Aaron, because if he was after the priesthood of Aaron, he would not even be qualified, being from the tribe of Judah and not from the tribe of Levi. But he says the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ is after the priesthood of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the priest who met Abraham when Abraham was returning from the conquest of the five kings. I think that would be in Genesis chapter 14 is where we encounter Melchizedek. And the Bible described Melchizedek as someone who was without father, without mother. Nobody even knew anything about his birth. And so he's saying that the priesthood of Christ himself is after the order of the priesthood of Melchizedek. Hebrews is written 
to the Jews who had become Christians, but were still toying with Judaism. And so he was saying that Christ is much more than angels. Christ is far greater than priests. Christ is far greater than Moses himself. Because Christ is the owner of the house. Moses was used to build the house. But Christ is much more greater than Moses. And now he comes to the priest and says, Christ's priesthood is greater than the priesthood of Aaron. So in trying to explain that, he comes to verse 11 and says, I have a lot to teach about the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, they are not easy to explain to people who are dull of hearing. And that is where the problem is. That they were dull of hearing and so he couldn't even begin to teach them the depth. Where did we encounter this? We encountered this last week when we were looking at Matthew chapter 13. When the Lord Jesus Christ was explaining why he was speaking to the people in parables. Matthew 13 from 13 to 15 says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of these people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. So the Lord is saying to Ross that there are a lot of things that we need to understand about the word of God. But because we are dull of hearing, because our hearts are hard, and the word of God cannot penetrate, because even though we see with our eyes, we are unable to perceive the spiritual truth in what we are seeing. We look at events, and all we can ascribe to those events are human explanations. We don't even want to hear what God has to say about those events. Sometimes we are even open to charlatans who come and tell us things that are not even true, and they call it prophecy. And we are running after those people, and we are not even growing in any way. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible tells us why Jesus gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, is so that they can edify the believers and enable them to come into ministry. And so that they will not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, which the men who are cunning, men who have no scruples, are coming with, so that these people can be mature, they can grow. So the essence of a proper foundation is that if the foundation is not right, the building will not be able to stand. And so today we find so many people who are falling away. People who we thought were standing, they are falling away. Now, they are not just falling, but they are falling away completely from Christianity and are imbibing so many other things. Why? A proper foundation was not laid for them. And so they are dull of hearing. Even though they are hearing the word of God, they cannot perceive what is being said to them. They are hearing it all right, but it is not being fruitful in their hearts. Why? Because of the state of their hearts. We dealt with that in our last broadcast. The Bible goes on in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. He's saying, as a believer, after some time, you ought to be teaching other people. God does not expect you to be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible tells us about some women in 2 Timothy chapter 3, at verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. God does not want us to be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. We would learn 
and we would come to the knowledge of the truth and we'll be able to apply the truth that we have come in contact with. And so he says here, for the time when you ought to be teaching, you ought to have assimilated the word of God. You ought to have come to the knowledge of the truth. You ought to now be able to teach other people. We still need to teach you again, not some serious things, but the first principles of the word of God, what we call the ABC of the Christian faith. We still need to be teaching these people the ABC. Many people are like that. We have thousands in congregations. Pastors are always excited about the number of people in their churches, the number of people who come to their meetings, but they are not interested, as it were, in the maturity levels of these people. Some pastors, sadly, are even happy to have babies in their congregations. Because that way they can tell them anything and nobody can challenge what they are saying. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 that when the word of God is spoken in the church, those of us who are hearing should be able to test, prove those words by the Spirit of God. If we are not supposed to take things hook, line, and sinker just because somebody said it, we should be like the Berean Christians who, after Paul had spoken, went back and looked at the scriptures to see if the things they had heard were so. And so this is the fundamental issue here. He says that when you ought to be teaching, we're not talking of being critical at every turn, no. We are speaking of testing whether this fellow is really teaching the word of God or is just speaking from the flesh. And the Holy Spirit is not mindful of being tested. He said it in 1 John chapter 4. He says, Beloved, test every spirit, whether they be of God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So God is saying, even when I speak, prove it, test it, check it against the written word. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 1, he said, even if an angel should come and say to you what has not been taught of the gospel, let that fellow be accursed. He said that in two, three times. Let him be accursed. We ought to know what the word of God is. We cannot be gullible and be swallowing everything and be jumping up and be excited. That is why it is important that a proper foundation be laid. He continues, he says, you have come to need milk and not solid food. You have come to become someone that we need to be teaching things from the beginning again. You are carnal. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, made a fundamental statement. I'm going to read from verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So when I was speaking, I had to speak to you as babies. You're not spiritual. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? We are seeing these things in the body of Christ today. There is carnality at the highest level. That is the simple truth. In verse 4 it says, For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. In a situation where we are saying, I am of this church, I am of that church, where we are hearing people say, the God of pastor so-and-so, the God of bishop so-and-so, are you not carnal? Is Christ divided? Is the church divided? The church is one church. But no, many churches are now trying to carve a niche and we are trying to destroy the gospel so that we can carve the niche. And why is that happening? Because a lot of the people in our churches are gullible and they are without proper foundation. 
So he says, one person can plant, another one can water. But it is God that gives the increase. I see so many pastors getting excited that they have many people in their churches. And you are wondering, who are even the people in the church? Is it God that is giving that increase or they are the ones doing it? Churches are now getting into what we call membership drive rather than discipleship, which is to raise people who will be able to go out there, number one, stand on their two feet based on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same people can go out there and teach the word of God and speak forth the word of God, not just with boldness, but the truth, correct interpretation, rightly dividing the word of God. In verse 7, it says, So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. You are God's building. Each one of us, when we come together, we are the building of God. We are like building stones, building blocks, and we are heaped on one another side by side and so on and so forth. And we form one building. That is why that building must have a proper foundation. In verse 10, it says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Christ is the foundation. And there are other layers which we shall be looking at in this broadcast that form the basic foundation of the Christian faith. Milk is for beginners. He says in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 5, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. He's inexperienced in the ways of God. He does not understand what God is doing. He cannot see what God is doing. In Psalm 103 verse 7, the Bible says, He, that is God, made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Moses saw the ways of God. Moses knew exactly why God was doing what God was doing. The children of Israel merely saw the acts. They merely saw the end result. They didn't understand why God was doing what he was doing. And so they were not really fruitful. But Moses was. Before they got to the Red Sea, God had told Moses, I'm asking you to go to a way that will be like a cul-de-sac. Don't worry. I want to draw Pharaoh to pursue you. He will say, you people are lost in the wilderness. Don't worry. When that time comes, you will see what I'm going to do. And so when they got to the edge of the Red Sea and they saw Pharaoh coming, the people of Israel became jittery. They began to say, Moses, we told you to leave us alone. We said, no, leave us in Egypt. We don't want to go. We didn't want to go. You are the one who dragged us. They began to complain. They began to murmur until Moses said to them, don't fret yourselves. These Egyptians you are seeing now, you will see them again no more. Why? Because Moses had heard from God. Even though Moses did not understand how God was going to do it, he trusted God. And then God said to Moses, stop crying to me. Stretch forth your rod. And voila, we had an expressway in the sea. And they crossed over. The children of Israel always saw the acts of God. When it came to time for feeding, God had told Moses, don't worry, there will be food for them. I'm going to send manna every day for six days. The seventh day, they are to rest. The manna for the sixth day will be double. They should take only what they can finish. But you know, the Israelites were a different breed of people. They did whatever they liked. What we want to draw out here is the fact that Moses knew the ways of God. The children of Israel, only the acts of God. In Jeremiah chapter 9, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 is a fundamental scripture for every believer, every Christian. It says, Thus says the Lord, 
Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that is God, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight, says the Lord. What is God saying there? Are you a Christian? Your primary task is to know God. When you know God, you will know yourself. When you know God, things will not phase you. Oh, there will be challenges of life, but it will not phase you. Even when they seem to trouble you, you will know that you can go to God in prayer and God will answer you speedily. God will speak to you and God will make things plain to you. You can rest on God. You can rest secure on God. The difference between the baby Christian and the mature Christian is that one fellow has by experience known God. He has faced the same challenges that others have faced, but he has, through the knowledge of God, been able to overcome. And that is what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. A man built his house on the rock. Another one just dug sand and put something there. The same challenges of life came. The wind came. The storms came. The economic challenges came. The bullies came. All the social malaise, all the medical conditions, everything came at both houses. But one man stood. The other fell. Greatly fell. Crashed. Collapsed. Why? One fellow built his foundation on the rock and Christ is that foundation. And he said, it is the man who hears my word and does it. That is the man who has built his house on that proper foundation. Back to Hebrews chapter 5. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. He doesn't understand the word of God. He's just taking milk. Just like the baby's stomach is not strong enough for solid food. So what do we do? We have to give the baby breast milk. But can you imagine a child that is now six years old only able to take breast milk. Can you imagine a 19-year-old man or lady going to the mother to ransack the mother's breasts for milk? I mean, even onlookers should be able to say to that fellow, something is wrong with you. You mean you have not grown your intestines to be able to take solid food up till now? And that is the challenge that we have in Christendom. There are many people who have been born again for years, but all they are still doing is taking milk. They are unskilled in the word of righteousness. These are the people who ask, Pastor, is there anything wrong in kissing? Is there anything wrong in petting? Is there anything wrong in dating? How do you ask such silly questions? When the Bible says, flee every appearance of evil. Many of these people, they ask those questions because it is actually what they want to do or they are even engaging in it. They just want somebody to say, there's nothing wrong with it. And so we have a lot of things happening. And these are people who you would look at and say, oh, these are people who have been in church for years. But they have not grown. In verse 14, he says, But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who, by reason of use or application, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. These are mature people. They take solid food. It's for the mature. These people have been able to discern what is right from what is wrong, what is good from what is evil, by reason of experience. When they heard the word of God, they put the word of God to practice and they were able to affirm, they were able to confirm and prove that what the word of God says is true. They've been able to attest to it. They are not in the category of people who are busy querying the word of God and wondering if the word of God is really true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 9 through to verse 16. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has 
revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. He's saying here that there are things that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard, that the hearts of men have not been able to understand. But God has revealed it to certain people, to his own. He has revealed it to people in whom is his spirit, in their inner man. They know these things because the spirit of God that searches the heart of God has revealed it to them. And so they know the things that have been freely given to them by God. They are not waiting for somebody to say, receive, and then they say, I receive. They know what God has given to them. They understand those things. And when somebody is teaching the word of God, they are able through discernment to be able to say that this indeed is the word of God or it's not the word of God. They do not have the spirit of the world. They have the spirit of God in them. And because they have the spirit of God in them, they are able to discern. In verse 13, it says, these things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Many a times I find a lot of pastors wanting to explain every part of the Bible. They think that it is easy to explain the Bible by bringing some mundane things. I've even found, very strangely, pastors who are using worldly men's quotes as something that Christians should hold on to. We find even today that Christian programs are moving in the direction of what to eat and what not to eat, what drugs to take and what drugs not to take. So many strange things are happening in the church today. And one is beginning to wonder, where is this coming from? It is the spirit of the world in them. They have not been able to rid themselves of the spirit of the world. There is a problem with the foundation. And until we deal with that problem, we are not going to get anywhere. So in verse 13, it says, they teach these things by the Spirit of God because they are spiritual and they are for spiritually discerning people. In verse 14, it says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Remember the heart, the pathway heart that cannot receive the word of God. That is the hard heart. It cannot receive the word of God. And for information, the hard heart can be a Christian, one who has seen the miracles of God and yet is still doubting God. One who has tasted of the good things of God and yet there is still unbelief in him. That's a hard-hearted man. He's not been able to really discern and to receive and assimilate that this is how God works. He says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. He wants a physical explanation for everything that is spirit. Some things are just simply put spiritual. For example... When you talk of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, you hear people arguing about how Mary was conceived as though it were a human thing. It is something that God did himself. You cannot understand. It's just like your three-year-old son or three-year-old daughter comes to you and says, Mommy or Daddy, how are babies born? What are you going to tell that child that will make sense to that child? That's why we just tell them, oh, sometimes some people say, oh, a bird will bring the child. Some say, oh, Mommy will go to hospital and they'll give Mommy a child. They can't understand anything. But as they grow older, they will get to understand it. The carnal man is like a three-year-old. He can never understand deep spiritual things. It's not possible. He can't understand it. It's like the stony heart where you have rocks. He cannot understand it. Or the thorny heart that is preoccupied with worldly things. He cannot appreciate it. He says, for their foolishness to him, 
nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You have to be spiritual to receive those things. You cannot stay in the place of carnality and expect to receive spiritual things. It's not possible. You must be on the side of spirituality to receive these things from God. And that's why many people keep struggling. And as long as we are struggling with the word of God, struggling with believing it, we cannot be disciples in verse 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. A spiritual man who has received spiritual things, he understands the spiritual things. Nobody can come and begin to harass him or criticize him based on what he has received in the spirit. That is why the apostles of old were so bold in the face of opposition because they knew what they had in the spirit. They were ready to die for it. I doubt that we have Christians today who are ready to die for anything. Save a few, of course. In verse 16, it says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he might instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you are born again and you have gone through the proper foundations, you have the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that whatever is being told you, you will have understanding of those things. The Bible says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. I think we spoke of this at length in the last broadcast. We must get rid, not just of the flesh, but of its fruit, its passions, of its seed, of its eggs, its passions and desires, its affections. The things that the flesh has laid there must be done away with. If we live in the spirit, if we say that we are spiritual, then it says, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us be led by the spirit of God. Let us follow the direction, the instructions, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Solid food is for these people, people who are led by the spirit of God. The Bible says those who are the sons of God, they are led by the spirit of God. In John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that those who received the Lord, who believed him and believed in him, he gave them the right to become the sons of God. There is a becoming a son of God. And when you have become the son of God, we will know how because you will be led by the spirit of God. You will not be led by your sight. You will not be led by science. You will not be led by textbooks. You will not be led by some strange men who have high sounding words that they are saying. You will be led by the spirit of God. You will know, even though they may be perspiring when they are speaking and gesticulating and doing all kinds of things, the spirit of God will say to you, that is not my word. And you will know. You will not be making haste. You will know that God is speaking to you on certain things. So let's be led by the Spirit of God. Now we go back to Hebrews. Having resolved this issue of the necessity for laying a proper foundation, having recognized the fact that some people may have been in church for long, but they are babies. They are babies because they are still taking milk. They are not able to discern right from wrong. They are not able to apply the word of God. They are not experimentally able to say, thus says the Lord. They cannot even tell when God is speaking and when a false prophet is speaking. They are excited by everything. But those who are able to eat solid food, those who are mature, they can discern when somebody is not speaking by the Spirit of God. Sometimes the Spirit of God will tell them. Sometimes by experience, they can discern that this is a false prophet speaking. But those who are babes, they just go everywhere. Jumping from one church to the other. Just because they are looking for one cure or the other. God has been turned into a doctor. I mean, well, God is God. He can heal. God said, of Israel, I wound and I heal. I kill and I make alive. That's the same God. Bible says the Lord is a consuming fire. It's not Father Christmas. In chapter 6 of Hebrews, verse 1 and 2, the Bible then says, Therefore, leaving the discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let's leave these elementary things, these foundational things. Let's go on to perfection. Let's go on to maturity. We want to be mature. But first, 
because we are still struggling with the foundations, we must go back to that foundation. We must lay the foundations that need to be laid that have not been laid. Like the man who built his house on sand and the house crashed. That man must now come back and say, bro, what foundation did you lay? How did you show me and lay that foundation? We must go back to the foundations. Otherwise, we'll be in trouble. In fact, there can be no perfection, no maturity in the absence of a proper foundation. In Psalm 11, Psalm 11 verse 3, the Bible says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can we do when the foundation is destroyed? There's nothing. The building is going to crash. So we must come to a point where the foundations are properly laid. In Psalm 11 that we read, verse 3, he was speaking about the foundations of morals and morality in society. And he says, when those foundations have been broken down, when they have been destroyed, is there anything that the righteous can do? Absolutely nothing. People raise their children these days without any morals whatsoever. Children speak to adults anyhow and just behave themselves in a way that they think is right. And the parents are there, they cannot correct them. Morals are flying out the window and people are excited. We are seeing leaders being immoral and people are hailing them. Christians are hailing such immoral people. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers, speaking to Gentiles, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What is that? The teachings, the foundation are those teachings, those beginning teachings. In some churches, they are called foundation classes or new believers class. Those teachings are crucial. They are critical. They are important. They are the foundations. Till you go to be with the Lord, you will be tested on those things by Satan himself. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter had preached and some people had been saved, let me take it from verse 41. Acts chapter 2, 41 and 42, the A part of 42. He says, Then those who gladly received his word, that is the word that Peter had preached, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That is the teaching. It's not as if the apostles went to form a doctrine. No, these were teachings that the apostles gave based on what the Lord himself had taught them and directed them by his spirit. Remember the Lord had said to them that the spirit of God will come and remind them of things that he had told them. And he will also speak to them of things that he, the Lord, will tell the spirit of God to teach them. So those are the things they were now teaching. And this became the foundation for the young believers. That was how the disciples were multiplying because they were being taught correct things from the beginning. They were not being taught about how to make money. They were not being taught about healing every day. I think I've used this illustration before and it's best repetition. Can you imagine going to a hospital and everybody on the hospital bed is a medical doctor? When they should be treating people, they are lying down in hospital and wanting somebody to come and treat them. That's what we are doing. We go to church every Sunday to go for one healing or one miracle service. And that is all the pastors are doing. Nobody is teaching anybody anything. And we say we have a church. We don't. We have a cult or a club, but not the church of God. When the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He meant that he was going to build not concrete, but he was going to build lives and bring them together to be one. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, the Bible says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed, these are people who had believed, 
He said to them, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you stay in my word, if you dwell in my word, if you live in my word, if my word is a part of you, you are my disciple indeed. In other words, the negative is also correct. If you are not dwelling in his word, you are not his disciple. And if you cannot receive the word of God, you will not dwell in it. You will not even want the word of God near you because you are not receptive to it anyway. In verse 32, it says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What is making you free is the truth that you know. It's not the laying on of hands that is going to set you free. No, it's the truth in the word of God that you know, that you have assimilated, that you have experienced, that by experimentation have received into your life. That is what to set you free. One of my senior pastors had taught something about how a young boy went to eat in the house. You know, in those days in Africa, they serve food on leaves and then they eat with their hands. So this boy would serve food and we want to eat. Then a goat will just come and drag the, the leaf away and eat both the leaf and the food. One day the mother wanted to give the boy food and the boy said, no, I'm ready to eat, mama. Let papa eat first. He wanted to watch how the father was eating. So the mother served the father on the same leaf. The man put the leaf on the mat to eat, just like the boy would do. And the goat came, just like the goat would come to the boy. And as the man began to eat, the goat was coming. The man just said to the goat, so, so, and the goat ran away. That day, that boy received deliverance. He realized that all he needed to do was say, so, and the goat would go. So he went back to the mom and said, mama, I'm ready to eat now. Please let it be plenty. So they gave him food. He sat down, like his father sat down, put the food on the mat, and then he began to eat. And the goat came, and he just said to the goat, Sue, Sue, and the goat ran away. That day he was delivered. That is the deliverance that we need. We don't need somebody to be laying hands on us. We need the knowledge of God to know that we have been delivered by the word of God. It is the word of God that sets us free. Not the laying on of hands, not the shouting of a man. Those things don't deliver you. That is why you will go and say amen, amen, amen every time and the problem continues to recur. Because it doesn't come that way. It comes by the truth that you know, that you have imbibed, that you have received and you have put to practice. That's how you are delivered. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 12, we had read up to verse 11 and now I want to read from verse 12. 12 to 15 it says, Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. There is going to be a proving of our faith by fire. If the base of the foundation is not Christ, forget it. The fellow is burnt off completely. But yes, the foundation is Christ. And then we are now building on that foundation our lives. You will discover that what you, the material you are using, if it is gold, it will shine better. If it is silver, it will shine better. If it is precious stones, it will shine better. If it is wood, hay or stubble, it will be burnt off. There are many things that we are practicing today that will not endure the fire of God. It will be burnt off. But there's hope for those who have placed their foundation on Christ. They will survive as though by fire. But if your foundation is not in Christ, your foundation is in a church or in a pastor. That's what you are holding on to. You are in trouble. So it is important that we get the foundation right. If we go back to Hebrews chapter 6, continuing verse 1 and 2, he now tells us what these basic foundations are. The various layers of the foundation. He goes on to say, 
Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again. We shouldn't lay it again. We must lay the foundation once and for all. The foundation that you lay and break is a bad foundation. If the foundation were firm, you don't need to break. The building will be standing for as long as it should take. You will discover that if you go to high-rise buildings, when they're putting up high-rise buildings, they spend so much time digging and digging and digging and you'll be wondering, what are they doing? Then suddenly you just see the high-rise will come up. What has happened? They spent more time on the foundation than on what was going up. Why? Because if the foundation is right, the building will stand. What is the Christian foundation? It is not laying again. The foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Verse 3 says, and this we will do if God permits. We need to lay this foundation and then go on to perfection. This is what we will do by the grace of God. We are going to lay this foundation. We are going to speak about these foundational things. Number one, repentance from dead works. We are not talking about repentance from sin. We are talking about repentance from dead works. So there is a repenting from dead works. Even though we have repented from sin, they, our faith must be towards God, not towards men. We must understand the importance of baptisms. And it uses a plural form. There are more than one baptism. There's the baptism into one body. You are baptized into the body of Christ. There's a church that is insisting that if you come to be their member, it doesn't matter how many times you have been baptized before, you must be baptized again in that church. That is false. Baptism into one body. There's the water baptism, what we call the Christian baptism. It's a once and for all thing. It's a public declaration of a spiritual truth that has taken place. We will explain these things. Then, of course, there's the baptism in the Holy Ghost, which we all know. And finally, there's the baptism of fire. Every Christian must experience these four baptisms. Baptism is an experiential thing. It's not something that we just teach. Then there's the doctrine of laying on of hands. You don't go and get somebody that you don't know to lay hands on you. And you don't lay hands suddenly on somebody to make him a, pa a pastor ordaining. Who, do you know him? How well do you know these people? Today we are ordaining all kinds of people that we don't even know anything about. And we are proud to say that oh, we, we ordain so and so number of people and we are excited. And these people, some of them are hemp smokers, drug addicts, rapists. And doing all kinds of things. Adulterers and adulteresses. Some of them have had two, three wives. While their wives are still living. Their first wives are still living. There's a doctrine of laying of hands. Then there's a doctrine of the resurrection of the dead. Do you know that there are people who say they are Christians who don't even believe in the resurrection of the dead? If we did, why are we always scared about death? Why are we scared to die? We're going to discuss that. Then we'll discuss the doctrine of eternal judgment. The way many of us are living, I don't think we believe that there's going to be judgment. And you better believe God will judge. These are the ABC of Christianity. That first, having repented of sin through Christ, that is the foundation, the base. The Lord Jesus Christ is the base. Having done that, we must now understand that we must repent of dead works. Anything that is not initiated by God is dead works. I think we've discussed this at some point in time. Then our faith must be firmly in God, not in men, not in church, not in doctrine, but in God. Then we must go through the teachings on baptisms, Laying on of hands, that is, giving us spiritual gifts, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Without this foundation being firmly and properly laid, our lives will continue to be crisis infested. We will continue to be Christians on Sunday and sinners Monday to Saturday. We will be Christians only when we are in church for two hours. After that, we are back to where we were. Even in the church... Our thoughts will not be of God, but of ourselves. If the foundation is not properly laid, we are going to have a problem. Because the foundations of morality and spirituality have not been properly laid, we have men casting off restraints in the church. 
The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says where there's no revelation. Revel we're talking of revelation of the work that God has to bring men into his kingdom. Where there's no revelation of that, the people will cast off restraint. And we see a lot of restraint being cast off in churches. Pastors are no longer interested in salvation of souls. Salvation of souls is not just the man coming out in, in front of the altar and reciting a few words. No, salvation of souls is that that fellow having come forth is established in the present truth. By the grace of God, when next we meet, we will be able to expound more and more on these foundational things. It is when we get this foundation right that we'll begin to see discipleship in our hearts. We'll begin to see ourselves as disciples. We'll be more than willing to serve the Lord, knowing that he's the one in charge of our lives. So I leave you at this time to ponder the few things that we have discussed now. And I say to you, you ought by now to be teaching. It's time to get your foundation right. Until then, when we meet again, God bless you and goodbye.